up everyone. My name is Sash and welcome to the 10th episode of The Thing with Tech, where I'll talk about The Thing with Tesla. Yes, I know that this episode got delayed too, but again, it's a bit longer, plus I had a lot of fun making this one, so I hope you enjoy it. And just before recording it, I got sick and my voice got messed up, so that's why it got delayed even more. Also, this is the last episode of the season of The Thing with Tech. I'll get into that at the end of the episode. Anyway, let's get straight into it. So, Tesla. I'm sure most of you have heard of them. Well, for those who are living under a rock, Tesla is a company which primarily makes electric cars, although they have been making other battery-related products like the solar roof and the power wall. So, you may ask, why am I even talking about Tesla? It's not even a tech company. And yes, while that's technically correct, I think we all know that Tesla is known for their technology. In fact, one of the main reasons Tesla became so successful is because of the technology they use in their cars. Almost everyone who's related to technology also covers cars and innovation by Tesla. So it would be wrong to say that Tesla isn't a tech company. But as you may already know, anyone and anything featured in this podcast gets some kind of negative coverage. So why is this entire episode dedicated to Tesla? Well, I think that not many media outlets are covering the bad parts of Tesla. The things that make them look kind of shady and lately, those things are piling up one after another. So I feel like it was about time someone called them out for a lot of questionable things they do and have been doing. Please don't click away and report me just yet. Let me speak just a little bit more. Now, I completely agree that their cars are environmentally friendly, or at least they become environmentally friendly by the end of their lives. And electric cars indeed are the future. In fact, I also agree on the fact that Tesla makes one of the, if not the best electric cars available on the market right now. But here's the thing. The coverage these cars get are, in my opinion, a bit too much and a bit overrated too. Again, let me explain this for a moment. A lot of people have bought and owned Teslas. Most of those people actually end up pretty happy. And due to this, a lot of normal people have become Tesla fanboys. In fact, some people went up to the extent of making channels on YouTube to praise Tesla. Channels like Teslanomics and Like Tesla, yeah, that's, 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 that's the name of a channel, Like Tesla, are all successful channels today and exist only because of a single company. All of this is completely fine. But as you all know, Tesla channels will obviously be a bit biased towards Tesla and they make Tesla look a little bit better than it actually is, or rather much better than it actually is in some cases. What's worse is that because these channels are about cars, the opinions and videos pushed out by these channels influence a person who wants to buy a new car or who just wants to, you know, maybe look around or know about cars in general. Now, what happens is that for a person who wants to buy a car, on one side, he's getting an honest review of a BMW or a Mercedes in the same price segment by a car channel. But on the other side, they're getting a biased review of a Tesla by a channel which exists because of Tesla. You see what I'm talking about here? There's a major sheep problem with Tesla, and most of the other car companies don't have this kind of support. The tech community just makes it worse because they look at Tesla cars as a piece of tech, and they are actually great pieces of technology. However, they may be lacking as cars, which is more important if you're out to buy a car. But again, that is not highlighted because of so many channels having biased views towards Tesla. Now that you understand what's wrong with the media coverage of Teslas, Let's get into the practices by Teslas which are ignored because of the bias. First and foremost is the performance. Tesla has always, and I mean always, pointed out how fast their vehicles accelerate and how they're quicker than sports cars five times the price. And again, that's true. 
Zero to 60 miles per hour in Tesla is ridiculously fast. I'd say they and their fanboys never fail to break the acceleration numbers comparing it to fancy sports cars and muscles all the time. So what's so bad in this, right? They have top-notch acceleration and people praise them for it. That is completely true. However, you know the internet. If anyone gets the slightest idea of comparing two things, then they will compare them. You can find videos of people comparing expensive hypercars with an insanely powerful engine like Lamborghinis, Ferraris and even Bugattis in some cases. And what happens when you race an everyday road car like Tesla with a Lamborghini? Well, the Tesla loses, obviously. Apart from drag racing, the Tesla loses in almost every other aspect even to cars similar in price but focused for track driving like a Corvette or a Mercedes AMG. And that's completely fine. After all, Teslas aren't meant for track racing or any kind of racing at all. They're meant to be used in the city as everyday cars. The bad thing though is that Tesla fanboys and Tesla themselves compare Tesla cars to sports cars. The fact that those acceleration numbers are brought up every damn time means that somewhere or the other, they actually want us to think of Tesla cars better than sports and hypercars. And then when the Tesla loses, both the company and especially the fanboys fall back on their trusty line. The other car is a sports car meant to have a powerful engine. Yes, I mean like no shit Sherlock, but other car companies and their fanboys never compare their cars to sports cars, even in the same segment. I haven't seen BMW screaming their acceleration numbers like those are the only things that matters. Heck, I haven't even seen someone trying to race a 3 series against a Lamborghini, but I've seen people trying to race a Model 3 against a Lamborghini. I don't see BMW or Audi or Mercedes having a performance version of their 4-door sedans. They have a M version or an AMG version, but both of those completely transform the car to a car capable of track driving. Most of those versions don't even have 4-doors. But Tesla does. Tesla has this performance version of their luxury cars. Moreover, on the topic of performance, we all know that a lot more matters to a car focused towards performance than just the acceleration, including handling and top speed. Both of those are just not good in a Tesla. Handling is fine at best and the top speed is just bad. The top speed of the Model S performance is 155 miles per hour, which is not bad in itself, but here's the kicker. You can only drive the Tesla over about 140 for so long until its motor heats up too much and the Tesla lowers the performance. This isn't completely the fault of the Tesla either because just due to the sheer nature of an electric engine, an electric car can't go too fast, which is why there are almost no dedicated sports electric cars. All of this would again be absolutely fine if you market the car as a luxury sedan, which is what it is. But nope, both the Tesla fanboys and Tesla themselves often market many cars in their lineup as performance cars, directly or indirectly. Many of you may say that you never even drive over 95 miles per hour, so 140 is too high anyway, which is a completely valid argument for a luxury or an everyday city vehicle. But it's not a valid argument for a performance-focused car. Most of the people who own a performance-focused car often go on tracks or empty highways to utilize the full potential of their car. Even if they don't, they still have paid for that speed, which is why most of the performance-focused cars can go up to crazy speeds without even a hiccup, while Teslas can't. Another thing kind of related to performance is the way they hide their quote-unquote true potential of the car. Yes, I'm still not done on the shady ways Tesla markets their performance. So in most of the cars, all from normal lower segment cars to luxury cars to sports cars. There are usually three modes of driving. One is some version of economy, one is something like standard, and the last is some kind of performance or sport mode. 
In some sports cars, they have this fourth mode, which is a mode you can customize yourself, adjusting everything. At best, there may also be a performance plus mode, which uses the full potential of the engine. But this is just not the case with Teslas. Things aren't so simple with the Teslas. Before I explain how it is in a Tesla, let me tell you a recent incident. Some of you should know that recently, Top Gear raced a Tesla Model S performance against the Porsche Taycan. And kind of obviously, the Porsche won. Even though the so-called numbers like acceleration, top speed and range of the Tesla are better, Porsche is a sports car after all. And also, Porsche's acceleration is more than the Tesla once it hits 60 miles per hour. So because the Porsche was made by keeping performance in mind, it won. Now, even though it was obvious for me at least, a lot of people started claiming that Top Gear faked everything and the Tesla should have won. What people were claiming was that the Tesla wasn't in the mode to make use of its full potential. Some people said that the Tesla wasn't in warp mode, some others said that Top Gear didn't launch the car, and some others including Elon Musk said that it was in range mode. Now I think you may have started to get what I'm talking about, but if you haven't, let me explain. Tesla's, like any other car, has four modes. Standard, Sport, Ludicrous, and Ludicrous Plus, which is fine. I still feel that 3 is the lucky number, but 4 is fine too. But then there's also range mode, which is supposed to save energy. There's also your launch mode, which is supposed to provide excellent acceleration and also another warp speed mode. So I can see about seven modes instead of your usual three or four. Moreover, apart from the usual four modes, to activate or deactivate the other three modes, you have to go to a different setting. Warp speed mode will be activated if you hold the ludicrous plus button for more than three seconds, or I think it's more than five seconds. All of this complication and for God's sake, seven modes are unintuitive and in my opinion, are designed to prevent the driver from utilizing the full potential of their car. Now, just to be clear, after researching a bit, I also agree that Top Gear didn't use the full potential of the Tesla. So it was an unfair race. They are a media outlet which reviews cars, so they should know how to turn on or off all of these modes in a Tesla. No excuse for that. What I'm saying is that an average person is very less than likely to be able to set all of these modes in the appropriate setting, to be able to actually accelerate as fast as they have advertised, which is completely contradictive of their practice of shouting the acceleration numbers whenever and wherever they can. I mean, there's this one thing you're good at in terms of performance, and your users can only access that thing if they have intense knowledge of the car. Like, what the hell, really? You can't advertise stuff you don't want people to use. But that's Tesla being transparent about their performance, I guess. Just to make it clear once more for the people who say that Teslas aren't meant to be performance cars. I know that. But you should really stop shoving the acceleration numbers on our faces if you don't want Teslas to be compared to sports cars. Also, if it's not meant to be a sports car, why did Elon Musk get so triggered when the Taycan came out? Why did he start comparing the specs of the Taycan and the Model S? Why did he mention that Tesla is at a big advantage because of the supercharger network? I agree, Tesla is indeed at a big advantage because of the supercharger network. But again, this is only valid if people are treating the Taycan as an everyday car and not a sports car, which I doubt they will. Also, why the hell did Elon Musk make a new and more performance-focused Tesla Model S, named it the Plaid model, and took it to the Nürburgring for testing after a week of the Taycan launch? Why the hell did he do that if the Tesla is not meant to be a sports car? In my opinion, Tesla is a luxury everyday sedan, not a sports car, and it's trying to be what it clearly isn't. I think they need to be more mature about this. The Taycan costs more than 1.5 times the top spec Model S. It's a damn Porsche. They make sports cars, that's what they do. I don't see luxury car brands like BMW and Mercedes competing with Porsche. Tesla needs to be much more mature with their competition. 
And also the plate model S, which they are testing right now and has supposedly destroyed the Taycan with its record on the Nürburgring, is a prototype. That plate model S is a prototype. The windows of that model S were tainted, probably because its seats were stripped down and it was meant to be on the track. People who witness the testing say that the car isn't even street legal. So a prototype breaking a record isn't much to say. The record of a production and a street legal car like the Taycan will always have much, much, much more value than a prototype or a concept. Anyway, moving on to another practice by Tesla, which could be really destructive for a company, but it works out for Tesla because of all the biased media coverage they get. I am of course talking about the ridiculous claims and fake promises. And boy, do I have a lot of evidence for this. First, let's start with the things which we can witness right now. The solar roof and the power wall. The Tesla solar roof was announced three years ago in October 2016, and Tesla is still struggling with delivering all of those pre-orders of the solar roof, let alone taking in new orders. For those of you who don't know, Tesla solar roof is essentially solar panels which look like normal roof tiles. They obviously cost a lot more than normal tiles, but I feel like people who really care about aesthetic and who aren't doing too bad financially will definitely buy this roof. I mean, to be honest, mostly all the products made by Tesla are for people who are doing fairly well financially, so we shouldn't be surprised by the price of the solar roof anyway. A similar case is with the Tesla Powerwall. The Tesla Powerwall is basically a giant battery placed in your house which stores the energy made by solar panels. You can then use that energy to power your house at night or in emergency situations when the sun isn't up and solar isn't producing any power. The problem with this is exactly the same as the solar roof. Tesla can't keep up with the demand. The Powerwall uses the battery used by the Model 3. Essentially, Tesla could either make a Model 3 or a Powerwall. And because of manufacturing issues, they end up making a Model 3 as its demand is higher. You may ask what the problem here is, right? I mean, many companies make products in limited quantities. In fact, the business model of many companies is based around exclusivity. And you're absolutely right. However, Tesla isn't like one of those companies. They make their customers believe that they could serve on their promise by taking pre-orders, but then they fail to do so. Channels which aren't biased towards Tesla will tell you that Tesla is kind of notorious for not keeping promises and delaying their products. And now, let's talk about the biggest promise that they have made and are probably going to fail that one, at least from what seems to be the case. I'm talking about a car, none other than the Roadster 2020. Now, I know that after saying this, my days on this planet are numbered, but let's really see what Tesla has promised. So, the base model of the Roadster the acceleration from 0 to 60 miles per hour is 1.9 seconds. 0 to 100 miles per hour is 4.2 seconds. A quarter mile is 8.8 .8 seconds. The top speed is over 250 miles per hour. And the range of the car on a single full charge is 620 miles. All the signature Tesla features like cameras, GPS, active internet connection, and autopilot will be present too. The price? $200,000 for the base variant and $250,000 for the Founders Edition, which is supposed to be better than the base variant. Yes, better than the damn base variant. This is about the millionth time I'm reading the specifications of this car and I'm still shocked. These specs are absolutely jaw-dropping. Sounds like a dream sports car. The specs are literally better than cars worth millions and millions of dollars. Heck, None of the production Lamborghinis have ever been able to have a top speed of 250 miles per hour or even anywhere around that number. So needless to say, the Roadster will absolutely destroy the market when it comes out in 2020. It may even make old-time players like Lamborghini, Ferrari, Porsche, etc. who make money mostly by selling performance cars go downright bankrupt. So again, where's the problem, right? 
the Roadster 2020 will destroy the supercar market. Well, there you go. There's the problem. The Roadster 2020 will destroy the market and not is destroying the market. Like, let's just sit back for a second and think. The quote-unquote prototype they showed didn't even have side mirrors and the steering wheel had absolutely no buttons on it. I know that Tesla tries to go for that simplistic look and that is why they don't have much buttons on their cars. But did they forget that the Roadster is supposed to be a performance car? I mean, tactile buttons and switches are one of the signature features of performance cars. Performance cars aren't meant to be simplistic. They're complex, driver-oriented cars. I really don't know what Tesla is trying to do with the new Roadster, but if they stick with that design, they will definitely piss off a lot of car enthusiasts. And I didn't even come to the main point of this argument yet. In all probability, the Roadster will either be delayed so long that the specs will not be mind-blowing anymore, or Tesla wouldn't be able to keep their promise and the specs will be underwhelming. Let's sit back and really take a look at the specs they gave. 0 to 60 miles per hour in 1.9 seconds. Even though this seems to be unrealistic, I'd say that it's still achievable because after all, electric cars are masters of acceleration. And if they can make the road still light enough, I feel like 1.9 seconds can be achieved pretty easily. Then there's the 621 miles battery range. Again, an outrageous number. But maybe if they use updated battery technology, possibly graphene, then yes, that's achievable too. Quarter mile in 8.8 seconds. That is pretty hard, but if you really push the motors to their limits, then yes, that could be achievable too. Now, the real number that everyone is skeptic about is 250 plus miles per hour. That's the top speed they quoted. And that is some serious, serious speed. As a matter of fact, all the major exotic supercar brands have not achieved that kind of speed in their cars. Never. They have never achieved that kind of speed in their cars. Unless you're buying a Bugatti, which literally costs multiple millions, or buying a car which isn't street legal, there's no car available in the market which could go up to 250 miles per hour. Now, we all know that this isn't a good reason to not trust a company. It's a fair reason, but it's not too good of a reason. But this isn't the actual reason why every car guy is so skeptic about these numbers. The actual reason is that achieving this number seems to be kind of impossible right now. If you remember, I said earlier that the Model S can't drive over about 140 miles per hour for too long because its motor will start to heat. Well, that's kind of the thing with every electric car on the market. That's just how electric engines are. If you push them too much, then they're at the risk of getting permanently damaged and even exploding in some cases. Unlike gas engines, electric engines only have one gear. A single set of motors handles the car both at lower speeds and higher speeds. Even though efforts have been made to have different motors for different speeds, thereby having more advanced and powerful motors for high speeds, we still don't have a reliable way of having multiple set of motors for a single engine. This is exactly why even the Porsche Taycan can't achieve speeds over about 165 miles per hour, even with the leading edge of technology. Electric engines can only go so far before they heat up way too much. And 250 miles per hour is just an insane number. Literally. Unless Tesla has discovered a completely new technology which can make electric engines run without heating up, Tesla may just go bankrupt trying to achieve these numbers. There's a reason most of the performance car manufacturers stick to making hypercars. You really can't be making everyday cars on hypercars at once. Performance cars isn't really Tesla's domain. The only car company which is kind of doing it both correctly at the same time is Audi. And even then, the only hypercar Audi has is the R8. They could do it only because they're owned by the Volkswagen Group, the group which owns Lamborghini, Porsche, and Bugatti. So Audi has a lot of backup. 
In fact, the V10 engine in the R8 is straight out of the Lamborghini Huracan. Tesla doesn't have this backup or the rich history in making supercars. To top it all off, at the event when the Roadster was shown, Tesla allowed people to test drive the car to feel the acceleration. They did the same thing on Jay Leno's garage. They allowed Jay Leno to test drive the Roadster, but did you notice one thing? They didn't let anyone record the numbers. I mean, I know that it was just the prototypes and the numbers of a prototypes don't really matter, but here's the thing. It would have exploded the internet if the numbers were even close to what they showed off. But they still didn't. I don't think the prototype performed any better than the Model S pre-100D. The fact that the prototype had no roof must have made the acceleration feel more dramatic. It doesn't mean that they were actually able to achieve those numbers. The worst part is that Tesla has already taken money from so many people, so they have kind of committed themselves to making the Roadster. I mean, yeah, you can always return the money, but still, it's more commitment than presenting the Roadster just as a concept. So I feel like the Roadster is definitely not coming out in 2020. Or if it is, then not with these specs. To support my argument, both Elon and an employee from Tesla have said that the Roadster will get delayed. Elon even went up to the point of saying that the Roadster is not a priority right now. Also, just a side note, all the fanboys have already started comparing supercars with the Tesla Roadster, which is again shedding a lot of positive light on the Tesla and a lot of negative light on other supercars. The media is shitting on other cars because of a car which doesn't even exist yet. But that's Tesla making promises, I guess. So, I think those are all the major complaints out of the way. The small complaints still exist about bad quality control and shitty consumer service. Oh, and also giving people free roadsters, apparently. This one isn't bad at all. Giving your loyal customers a free car is actually a really nice move, but again, it's kind of really shady. If any of you have been following the smartphone industry for a long time, then you must know about the Turing phone. Yeah, it's the phone which promised some really mind-blowing specs, including two Snapdragon 830s, a terabyte of storage, and four SIMs. And yeah, you probably guessed it, that the phone was never launched. This is kind of what I feel will happen with the Roadster. Either Tesla will go bankrupt trying to convert into a performance car company, or it will just fail to keep its promises. Now, I would have never made this episode, but the tech industry plays a huge part in the news coverage Tesla gets. Don't get me wrong, Tesla undoubtedly has the best set of technology in a car I've ever seen. But as I said before, it is a car after all, and not a piece of tech. And even as a car, it's not a bad car at all if you think about it. It has great fuel economy and it's really luxurious too. The only thing is that they're trying to market it as a sports car, which it simply isn't. You may not realize it, but this is how the tech community contributes to the growth of Tesla. Somewhere or the other, the tech community actually plays a big role in the advertisement and awareness of Tesla. Another thing is that the biased coverage isn't entirely Tesla's fault either. As I said, most of such coverage are by people who are more into tech than into cars. In fact, most of the owners of these channels openly say that they're not car people. They're just interested in Teslas, so obviously they're going to be biased. The only thing is that we have much more Tesla people reviewing Teslas than car people reviewing Teslas, thereby having mostly biased coverage. The bad thing though is Tesla endorsing such people. For every event that Tesla holds, it makes sure to invite all such people to the event. And that's fine. I guess all the car brands do this to some extent. All of them invite people to the events who they know will praise the car no matter what they launch. It's just that it's much more with Tesla. But again, I can't blame Tesla too much here. They are a for-profit business and every business would want as much positive coverage as it can get. As a car guy myself, I would love to see all the limits pushed and Tesla actually launching the Roadster with those outrageous numbers sometime soon. But as a consumer, I can't help but shed light to the fact that it may just all be a sham and we may not get anything anytime soon. Now, as I said before, this is the last episode of the season of The Thing with Tech. 
the second season will come out on 20th of December, a bit before Christmas. I'm doing so because I have some important stuff to get into in the coming weeks and also I'm changing the way I do this podcast. It's pretty obvious, but still, if you somehow haven't noticed, I usually read from a loose script, which makes everything kind of restricted. From the next season, this will be more like mainstream podcasts and I won't read from a script. I will also try to be more specific from next season. For example, instead of talking about Tesla as a whole, I'd just talk about the roadster. I will also try to tackle more topics in each episode and also make the episodes a bit longer. I'm sorry if you felt that this episode is longer than usual, but it's only because I couldn't upload for a couple of weeks and also I actually had a lot to say. I loved making this episode and finally getting such a big opinion of mine out there. Almost every tech channel has a video or a podcast on Tesla and I thought it was time for me to do the same too. I felt I should make a good, long and interesting episode for the last one. With that, I'll end this episode. Catch you next season. Thank you so much for listening and have an absolutely wonderful day.